This is the Positive Psychology Podcast, episode 119. Welcome to the Positive Psychology Podcast, bringing your earbuds the science of the good life. And now your host, Kristen Trumpy. Hey, welcome to the second episode um, on coronavirus. This time we're talking about the psychology of it and all of that. So we'll start with a few practical tips and then dive into the psychology uh, meat and potatoes, so to speak. Now, let's start with the basics. So let me start by saying that some things are just hard um, and they're very difficult to reframe. Uh, Losing work, losing loved ones and or health insurance, especially now, is very, very stressful. And feeling bad about it, maybe even um, having depression, is is actually a very understandable consequence of living through something like this. This is not due to you being weak or anything like that, or you being, you know, less worthy or anything like that. It's just something that, you know, a lot of things can be improved in psychology, but there are also some things which are just hard. And acknowledging that actually helps for the bigger part of it. So expecting ourselves or others to be positive, especially in all during all of this time, it might be counterproductive. And that might be confusing because, again, this is the Positive Psychology Podcast, but there is a difference between, you know, being in a neutral mood and actually being fundamentally pretty okay and, you know, shifting, helping, learning to not focus on dumb things like, oh, the weather is bad and stuff like that, to when you actually lost a job or a loved one or, you know, God forbid, loved ones. That's just a different proposition. So um, letting our feelings wash over us is hard, but often healing in the long term. There's a difference between the ebb and flow of feelings and constant obsessive negativity. Breaking through those patterns might be important. And some previous episode could maybe help you with that. You know, 117, emotional first aid. Um, Episode 95, emotion differentiation. 19, are you psychologically healthy? And number nine, optimism. Those might all be helpful um, if you want to kind of disentangle what's going on inside of you right now. So no matter how shitty things are, there is always a range. So even if that range is less terrible, is from, you know, from less terrible to terrible, your goal is to figure out how to, you know, how to move things so that it's at least a little bit more bearable if you're in one of these really shitty situations. And if you're faced with hardship, um, one important focus is to access all the resources you have. Having said that, I'm aware that in lots of places, websites crashed and phone lines are impossible to get through. Um, nevertheless, make sure to get educated about what your government offers you in terms of rent help or unemployment benefits and all the like. It is possible that there is a rent or mortgage freeze, and maybe people in your position are eligible for fast loans, although be aware of the interest rates. Um, Some of those can really get you. Also, the better informed you are, the better you can negotiate. So, for example, if mortgage payments have been frozen, you can mention that to your landlord. People tend to screw over those who they think don't know things. 
And I'm not saying people won't try to trick you if you're informed, but it's just easier if you're on top of that kind of stuff. Even if it takes forever, please make sure to register for benefits that you are eligible for, even if it takes days and the website keeps crashing. It is infuriating and soul-crushing, but if you don't, really evil people um, will look good in front of their bosses because they kept, you know, unemployment uh, low or something like that, so don't give them that satisfaction. It might possibly be helpful to sit and write all of these things down. If we just let everything swirl around in our heads, the thoughts seem to be less manageable than they appear when they're on paper. Find support in your networks. I'm not an expert on how to survive hardship, um, but one good thing you can do is to maybe find forums or groups online where people know their way around these topics, especially if your family is not, you know, if, especially if you don't have a, big, a large network of family and friends. Reframing anxiety and depression. Um, so anxiety story goes something like this. If you look away, bad things will happen to you and those you love. It is your duty to keep up with every statistic, every fact, every terrible case of mismanagement and every failure. And even then, it can't be guaranteed that every, everybody comes out unscathed. That's kind of like a little bit the premise of anxiety in this during this COVID time, right? And I did not study clinical psychology, um, and I've never had clinical anxiety. So unlike certain other topics that I talk about, I have a little bit less experience with them. But based on from what I've um, been reading and talking to people with anxiety, I do know a little bit. So one thing you can do is to ask yourself, is this fear adaptable? So some fears are helpful. If, for example, you read up on the virus because of your fear and you end up washing your hands better and longer and more often, the fear was a good thing. If it makes you seek out information that you can then use to convince your family and friends to stay at home, your fear was adaptable. If your fear does not make you change your behavior or you have changed your behavior but the fear is not gone, your body is basically getting ready to fight or run away, but that kind of wastes this uh, physiological response by not exerting that energy. This is not adaptable and can be one of those things that leads to anxiety. So examining beliefs which might underpin anxiety. Sacrificing your health and mental well-being for something or someone you love. That's a big topic. And this is one that I see mostly in women. This idea that if we worry about our children or the world, that that demonstrates that our love or our faith is real. And while I do believe that long-term goals might require certain trade-offs, I've become very wary of this idea of sacrifice. And I did not find the attribution, but I read a few years back that sacrifice is rage postponed. And sadly, I think this is often true because either the sacrifice feels that, you know, the, sac the people feel like, well, I, I sacrificed all this for you and you don't really give me any credit for doing that. Or the person um, for whom we sacrificed something, they were like, well, I didn't know you were sacrificing for me. I don't expect that. I didn't want that in the first place. So that is why I think this notion that you have to somehow sacrifice your health, demonstrate your commitment to other people or your love by feeling miserable yourself, that is something that a lot of us carry around and that is worth confronting. 
if you live according to this belief, I ask you to just experiment with the following alternative questions. What if I could show my love or my faith in ways that are beneficial both to me and the kids or the world? And this is a good question to redirect your rumination to, meaning that when you notice that you start thinking about things, your, your thoughts are going in negative hell circles, try to refocus them on something like that where you're like, okay, how can I actually show my love and my faith in ways that are beneficial to both of us? And this is actually an interesting thing to think about because most likely you have thought about that less than other things. Um, anxious people also worry that nobody else is paying attention. Um, so if you don't keep worrying about this, nobody and no, nobody else will, and everybody will basically die. And this turns us into a superhero who pays for their superpowers with their mental health. And groups need someone who is scanning their horizon for danger. But what if that wouldn't have to be your sole focus in life? I don't know about you, but I'd rather be a well-informed mortal who does whatever they can and then rests because a burnt-out me can't be there for anyone at all. Furthermore, this belief is not possible without also believing that everybody around you is helpless and kind of incompetent. Projection or re replacement anxiety. So sometimes people lose their shit over surprisingly mundane things. Um, the toilet seat cover is up, a plate hasn't been washed perfectly, now, there might be perfectly justifiable reasons where the rest of the inhabitants are just not doing their jobs. And, you know, for all of that, ladies, this is the best time to go on strike. If your family has been lazy and not helping you, um, you know, cook one pancake, you eat it and they should figure out what they'll do. Obviously, you can't do that with very little children. But, you know, like everybody who's nine or older should do their share. <laughs> um, however, sometimes it's also that, you know, people are doing their things, but some people get a sense of control and security if, say, everything is spotless all of the time. And if that's you and it's a coping mechanism that helps you, that's one thing. But you also have to understand that a lot of, a lot of other people, for example, me included, like, I don't feel, I want the place to be, like, reasonably clean, but I, I don't feel like I have it more under control if there's no morsel of bread anywhere. And for me, actually, that's anxiety provoking when like somebody else is just, you know, on top of everything, like rushing down and like taking the plate out from under you and stuff like that. Like, just keep in mind that people deal with these things in different ways. Okay. So here's an actionable thing you can do when you're suffering from anxiety. Ask yourself, is this fear adaptable? If yes, write down how you will change your behavior or everyone or someone else's behavior. And if the fear comes knocking again with the same reason, refer to it to the paper and say, hey, I got this covered. We can think about something else. If the fear is not adaptable, you can use one of the three ways we can deal with emotions. So the first one is to just sit with it, let it wash over you without running away. Name the emotions as you experience them. Try to be as precise as possible. So don't just say, um, you know, like, I'm feeling bad. You would say, I'm feeling anger mixed with incredulity mixed with you know like some as as precise as you can be that helps that's been shown in various studies try not to judge but only experience what is happening remember if there's actionable things you could do to make something better do that distract yourself from the emotions 
You know how distractions work. Use those unless they harm you. A movie, music, playing an instrument, or drawing might be helpful. Be careful with things like alcohol or whatever else can lead to addiction. Another way to process anxiety is to work through the name five things exercise. So you would, while you're feeling that anxiety is coming on, name five things you can see right now. Name four things you can hear right now. Name three things you can touch right now. Um, bonus points if you actually do and go and touch them. Uh, name two things you can smell and name one thing you can taste. Sometimes repeating it might be helpful too. Then another thing we can do to kind of manage our anxiety is to manage the information intake. So some part of our anxiety is doubtlessly due to the reality of the pandemic and its effects. However, even if the middle of even in the middle of it, there is no reason it has to dominate your thoughts at every waking minute. Consider the following to change the information you take in. You could, for example, implement rules such as, you know, no corona after eight o'clock or dedicate 30 minutes or a whole hour to update yourself, but then it's done for the day. Um, balance the COVID news with something more constructive, such as, for example, positive.news is a good alternative to mainstream news. Uh, the correspondent.com is another. You could also just Google solution journalism or constructive journalism uh, and type in, you know, your area where you live and see what comes up. There's also a podcast called How Do We Fix It that could be a good antidote to what you're feeling now. Switching from news to something else altogether. Um, I think it's no coincidence that people have gone crazy over baking and cooking. And looking up recipes and preparing food and tasting it, it all takes us out of our heads and into our bodies. And sometimes that's just the best we can do. Now let's talk about depression. So depression's story is a bit different from anxiety story. So depression kind of whispers in your ear and it will say things like, this feeling will ever end. Even if the pandemic ends, you will be helpless and stuck forever. And some key beliefs in depression are that it's permanent that you will feel that, you know, the circumstances are permanent, but also that you will feel this way forever. It also emphasizes that your actions don't matter. You're not good enough. You don't deserve it. And let's take a look at each of these beliefs. So this is permanent. We actually don't know how long it will take for things to go back to, you know, what it was before, if that's possible at all. But we do know that it can't go on forever, even if it feels that way. Life is many things, but life is not able to keep everything the same. Things grow and wilt, things appear and disappear, and maybe transferring some of that onto another living thing, like a pet or a plant outside might help you focus on something outside of yourself. One thing we can do is to focus on manageable time increments. So the most well-known is one day at a time. However, depending on how you feel, you might need to either decrease this unit or increase it. So sometimes we don't know what's best for us. And for because of that, you can basically just experiment. What happens if you focus on just the next two minutes? What happens if you zoom out and focus on the whole month or year? How do you feel? And then take this into account different strokes for different folks. And even the same person 
might find that, you know, focusing on the next two minutes is helpful one day, and then the next day they need something else. Depression also tells us that it won't get better. Maybe you succeed in believing that it might last not might not last forever, but you just don't know how things could ever get better, feel better. Remind yourself that you are most likely not blessed with psychic gifts. Now, this might sound like I'm not taking you seriously, but there's a difference between taking a person seriously and believing everything their inner critic is saying. I'm not taking your inner critic seriously. That's not the same thing. Your inner critic um, needs some humility. And there is no way of knowing what will happen in the future. So thinking things will never get better is just objectively false certainty. If you actually know the future, use those gifts and, you know, invest in a stock market or find missing people. Um, you will feel this way forever. Another depression classic. Perhaps a part of you believes that even if the situation changes, you will always feel stuck. And if you're a younger person, this is particularly tricky because if it's your first depression rodeo, you don't have actual evidence that things can get better. And if it helps seek out stories of people who overcame depression and think about this, if I would ask you how to mess up your life and make yourself feel even worse than you did right now, would you find ways to do it? And the answer for most people is yes, I know exactly what I could do to ruin my life. And um, that is something that, you know, a person called Randy, who I interviewed I don't know, two or three years ago in the episode, How to Be Miserable, he made a really good point. And he said like, well, if you can objectively make your life more shitty, then your life cannot, you can't, it's not stagnant. You feel the way you feel, right? And that means there's also room for things to get better. Your actions don't matter. So depression tells us this all the time. Maybe um, a voice tries to list all the ways your actions failed to lead to the result you want. And the thing about memory is that it's easier for us to access memories of times we felt similar to how we feel now. Therefore, memories of failures might be more easily to remember or memories of times when we were sad or angry because they match how we're feeling now. And this is not your fault. This is just something with how the brain is wired. Being able to say to yourself, this is not my fault, this is biology, might help you find even a little bit of solace. And if you do feel better, maybe try to take a few minutes and write down all the ways in which your actions did matter in the past. You're not good enough or you don't deserve it. If we are left with our thoughts and things go dark, chances are this old chestnut pops up. And this is a giant one. So... I would suggest if this is one thing that really concerns you, maybe check out episode 31, which was about self-worth. Because self-worth is such a huge topic, I could just can't possibly um, summarize it in a small little um, paragraph. I'd like to switch and revisit Seligman's PERMA model, um, especially the older positive psychology, the loyal positive psychology fans um, will remember this uh, or will remember at least having heard of it. And I will add the V for vitality as suggested by Emilia Zivotovskoya. And this model assumes that you have at least a bit of spare time that you can shape and that you are well enough to do some of these things. I have tried to be inclusive and mindful of those who are not in the position 
Um, but also, I'm limited by my own experience and expertise. I don't know what it's like if you have to work, you know, three shifts as an essential worker, and I'm in no position to give someone like that advice about, you know, how to navigate their specific reality. All I can offer is to give you some ideas that you can just try out, you know, maybe on your way when you're commuting or something like that and see what happens. So the first P in PERMA stands for positive emotions. Now, normally when we talk about positive emotions, we stick to the positive part of it. But under these circumstances that we're in, I think it's important to acknowledge that there are two things that are kind of vital to being able to experience positive emotions. And one aspect is shielding ourselves. Um, it's like defense. And then the offense, which is, you know, going out and getting the stuff. So the first part is shielding ourselves, avoidance. As mentioned above in the anxiety part, some lessons also apply to those who are not clinically anxious or depressed. Sit down and think through some things um, that made you the most sad and angry in the last few days. Separate into different lists, things that actually concerned your life and your loved ones and the people you know in real life. And with this list, avoidance might work temporarily, but maybe not in the long term. Um, here, it is a good idea to come up with coping strategies to really resolve and not just avoid the issue. Then on the other hand, write down a list of things that made you sad and angry that concern people you don't know personally and circumstances that don't necessarily directly affect you. This is the part you can most easily limit or eliminate even, even if it's just for time. If you think it's your civic duty to be informed just to see what happens if you don't engage with that kind of material for a day or introduce limits, you know, again, even if you want to keep up with things, there is no obligation to do it every time. And the answer is not always all or nothing. The answer might be to engage a little bit and then strategically retreat and replenish yourself. Social media is another big thing. Block certain phrases and names in your social media feed. Unfollow people who make you uncomfortable unless you learn from them. And I think that's important distinction. Um, I follow a bunch of activists, you know, who say things which are true, but they are very uncomfortable. And But that leads to growing. And I don't think it should be avoided, but... Um, there are days when I don't feel um, that I have to be exposed even to that, and that's fine. And remember, it's also fine to do these things temporarily as an experiment. You can always reintroduce something to your feed if you find that you're missing it. Physical avoidance is another thing. Maybe you notice that, say, some foods make you feel bad or that certain habits derail your sleep. I have mentioned this before, but sometimes it worries me how cavalier people are with alcohol. You know, it's gin o'clock and it's wine time. And, and again, I'm not opposed to people enjoying life. I'm, I have the opposite of what is a puritanical streak. I think, I think people should enjoy themselves, but, you know... <laughs> Some things really do make us feel bad. And I think for that, it might be helpful to just pay attention if that's the case. You know, I also know that there's some people who can who can drink alcohol fairly regularly and they truly enjoy it and 
don't seem to have any ill effects whatsoever. And for those people, you know, lucky for them. But if you're not one of those people, maybe paying attention to what substances you should avoid might help be helpful. Examine your habits and limit or curb things that mess with you. Fortifying. So something strengthen us without always improving our mood, although it might happen. Exposing ourselves to sunlight, exposure um, to fresh air, um, if you can. I know not everybody can, but those who can. Uh, sometimes little things like smells or candles can make us feel comfortable. I'm going to put exercising in this category because for some people, they don't necessarily enjoy the exercising them itself while it's happening. Sometimes the, the positive effects comes later. So you exercise and you might not feel great while you're doing, but after you're finished or like even two or three hours later, you feel just different in your body, right? Even 30 seconds of squats or whatever body weight exercises you can introduce will help get that blood moving and your body activated. And it baffles me how many people report that they're not showering. Um, no judgment, but showering can be a source of daily pleasure. So if you savor it and pay attention to how your body feels while you're showering, um, it actually might be a good thing. Keeping up basic personal hygiene is probably a good idea. Um, again, I don't think anybody cares if you if you don't brush your teeth, you know, or just like one day or so. But if you make it a habit, nah, I don't know, might regret it later, right? And don't worry, ladies, we don't have to jail our boobies during these trying times. At least that's my opinion. Um, now, when it comes to positive emotion, I, I mentioned the offense as well. So if you think about a sports team, it's not enough to have a defense. You also have to score. So it's not enough to protect ourselves from certain thoughts and emotions. We need to find sources for the good stuff to come to us. We have to be a bit delicate because as many of us know, if we want to do something to make us feel in a specific way, it might not turn out to work like that, right? So it's kind of like, you know, you always thought, you know, seeing the Eiffel Tower would make you happy and, and, and then you go and it's a little bit underwhelming, right? It's kind of the same logic. Um, so the first I would say is to open yourself up to a whole range of positive emotions. Often we only pay attention to very strong feelings, but I would like to encourage you to look out for some of the quieter but still valuable emotions, such as serenity, interest, or hope. Barbara Fredrickson taught us learning to recognize and appreciate these emotions opens up um, our present and helps us build emotional resources for the future. Pay attention to activities, people, and environments that elicit positive emotions in you. You might sit down and think through the last few weeks and what you and what the things were and the people that made you the most happy. Um, try to build more of that into your daily life. And this is a good idea even um, if, or especially if, things are rough. Even just 15 minutes can make a difference and put you in a better mood and be worth it. Mix up your social media. Go to social media site of your choice and add the following to your feed. Um, go in the search box and look for Q-U-O-K-K-A, Quokka. Add them to your feed. Same with baby alpacas and possibly otters and meerkats. 
Build in fun parts into your day. Dancing is a great source of happy emotions, and if you need to roleplay a bit, convince yourself to do it, so be it. Maybe there's a little gangster inside of you, like inside of me. Or you pretend you are a ballerina while listening to some heavy metal. It doesn't really matter. Whatever floats your boat. Music. Remember as a teenager when you used to listen to whole albums and there were no phones to stare at? Rediscover great tunes, or if you're so inclined, check up on musicians you like but haven't kept up with. This is a great time to discover new albums, um, sing in the shower, or to yourself, or with your kids. If you're in New York City or any place that is not Italy, your neighbors might not be as appreciative as they are in Italy, but that's okay. Um, Rewatch or reread the things that make you happy, amused, or inspired. We don't always need new things. We forget more than we often realize, so the old can be full of surprises too. Engagement. The second concept of PERMA. Um, remember flow, a state of optimal functioning when time flies and you're completely absorbed in one thing? Flow is achieved easiest if you're doing something that is challenging but not so challenging that you have no chance to succeed. Active engagement, especially if it's away from screens, is a great way of taking care of yourself. Cooking, baking, they are nice because you have something at the end to show your efforts. That is actually probably one of the reasons why it's so popular. There are different degrees of challenge, but how much flow you can get um, has nothing to do with skill level in general. It's all about your personal skill level, which means even the simplest um, dishes, cakes, or breads can make you feel proud. If you're starting out, um, let's say, learning to play the keyboard or something like that, even very simple tunes can make us feel a sense of accomplishment. So that's what's great about that. Another way to achieve um, engagement is by doing, you know, for some people, <laughs> cleaning, making art, um, discovering a new hobby, and writing are all forms of active engagement. Now, passive engagement is consuming stuff that already exists, watching movies, listening to music, playing video games, and passive engagement is often easier than active engagement. And it's not about saying that one form of engagement is bad. Um, however, you will probably feel better if your sources of engagement are mixed. So for example, if the only engagement you allow yourself is active, you might power yourself out. Um, if you only lean on passive engagement, so watching Netflix all day, every day, um, you might feel very, it, things might start to feel very stagnant and very dreary after a while. Having said that, there's a note for parents. So do yourself a favor and stop flagellating yourself over the screen time of your kids or yourself. This is a special situation, and even if the TV is on 24-7, it's pretty unlikely that it's going to lastingly change everything, anything in your kids. Um, once things go back to normal, the kids will be back in kindergarten or school, and it will be impossible for them to watch TV all day, um, even if they're doing it right now. Relationships, that's the third part of PERMA. Um, first of all, you have in-house relationships. So if you're not isolating by yourself, um, it sounds boring, but routine is important. Um, even if you don't have kids, and if you have kids, it's obviously especially important. Getting into a good groove with sleep, hygiene, making and eating food, and how to spend your evenings can be helpful. You want to find the middle ground where the structure is tight enough to hold 
all of you, but not so tight that you feel choked um, by the rigidity of it. And there is this notion that if we just live into the day, we're more creative or happy, but often that's not actually true. Instead, the brain just kind of goes into default power saving mode, um, which can be a good survival strategy when needed, but it can also bum us out in the long term if, again, all we do all day is sit around in our pajamas and, you know, just snack, for example. Although some days like that are, of course, great. Just like for yourself, it might make sense to have something to look forward to as a family or a couple or in whatever constellation you're in. So food is an easy thing to look forward to, but you could also schedule time to, I don't know, watch the sun go down if you see that. I don't see it from my home, but maybe you do. Um, spend some time in a nice spot or play games, sharing three good things that happened to you or that you observed or read, um, reading to each other, or if you have young kids, bedtime stories. Online relationships. Personally, me and my friends have gotten into a bit of a weekly routine, and I find it helpful. I, For me, it's good to know that um, if I feel like it, there's always someone hanging out on, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, basically. Um, and I don't always choose to participate, but a lot of times I do. Having fixed time to catch up with your friends and family might give you something to look forward to and help focus while you're working on something else. If you have big, bigger gatherings, it might make sense to help educate those who are not used to online meetings. At Easter, I had a catch-up with the Indian side of the family, and out of 42 people, about half of them were Zoom virgins, and it was complete chaos. Um, teaching people to mute their microphones unless they're talking is very helpful and can potentially spare the embarrassment of the whole family knowing what Aunt Mabel thinks about Uncle Dick's new mustache. And um, also, I have no Aunt Mabel and no Uncle Dick, but the mustache thing was real. Um, know your limits. Just like in real life, we can have too little interaction and feel lonely or too much and feel overwhelmed and act accordingly. I've noticed that some people constantly say they miss others yet refuse to take in parts um, in hangout, you know, and they, they say, for example, on social media, oh my God, I miss my friends so much, but you're one of your friends and they're like never anywhere where the rest of your friends are. And if that's you, I would do a little introspection to uncover if you're just being lazy and if it would actually help to just, you know, um, get your, get over yourself and participate. Or if there's something deeper going on and, you know, maybe even you need some professional help, that's also possible. Remember that others have the same needs that you have, and they might have them in very different ways or at different times. And if you're isolating with other people, you can think through the perma model for them, not just for you. You know, you can think about, well, what what kind of thing um, leads to the most engagement in your kid or your partner? Um, the positive emotions, you can even talk about it if you want to, if you're that kind of family. Um, Perhaps find some explanations for why they behave the way they do. Now, I know that I'm talking uh, as if people are isolating in families or in couples. Um, there are all kinds of constellations. I think they um, all have plus and minuses. So for me, for example, um, I, I love kids, but I would don't want them. And for me, it feels like this is the best time to not have kids ever. Um, but that doesn't mean that other people you know, might be isolating by themselves and feel completely differently. Maybe they feel like they would actually like someone around. And I think you just have to go with whatever is happening in your life and take um, based on, you know, 
what is helpful to you. Taking care of other people. Other people can mean all kinds of things. It can mean your friends, but I kind of trust that you know how to do that. Um, but then there are other things that we maybe don't think about as much. So for example, um, a lot of places um, depend on delivery systems such as Amazon or delivering food. And um, they have experienced a huge uptick in demand. And keep in mind that there are lots of vulnerable people who rely on those services. So it's important that when you notice that those systems are kind of overused, one way you can help strangers you don't know but who depend on you to survive is to maybe bundle your needs, not you know, not to just, I don't know, online shop for various things, but to actually maybe bundle if you're doing that. Or um, to, you know, to kind of think about what's the trade-off between going to a grocery store and having food delivered, right? There are reasons to do both, right? So if you have food delivered, you actually might help the local economy and that might be worth it. Um, but if it if too many people do that and then people who can't go out can't get food delivered, that's a problem. So just keep informed about how things are and where where you live locally and act accordingly. There are also ways to support people who cannot get groceries or need supplies. And again, this is often very locally organized. So just keep your eyes open for those kind of offers if you have any resources to to help someone else out. Meaning that's the fourth part of PERMA uh, V. And when it comes to meaning, I would like to propose a pragmatic approach. Basically, whatever works. Some people have their hands too full right now to think about meaning at all, and that's fine. Um, some people will hold on to meaning um, from things like spirituality and religion, and that's the most important thing now, or one of the most important things to keep saying, and that's fine as well. Um, if that is you, please be mindful on how you approach people who don't share your faith. And this is true for atheists as well. Okay, so if you're religious, don't assume that what gives you comfort gives comfort to others. To some, um, religion can cause rage for all kinds of reasons. If you struggle to understand this, imagine if someone from another faith would faith would just constantly keep sending you quotes and prayers from another religion you don't believe in. You know, it's kind of similar to that, right? So some people might perhaps find that they are drawn to spirituality and religion. And now is a great time to start investigating that if that's you. Um, it's also a good time to look at your life and find ways to introduce rituals that are meaningful to you. Achievement, uh, the PERMA, the A from the PERMA, um, there are wildly different standards being presented to us right now. Uh, make sure that what you pick fits your life and not some fake or money-making and guilt-inducing fantasy. So what we think of as achievement right now um, can be very different things, right? So for example, there are people who are struggling. I'll just call them the strugglers. And for some, getting up, getting showered, uh, and getting dressed is a challenge in itself. Doing those things is a win and it's enough. Then there are the people who are the, you know, I'm finers for some achieving a gloriously average I'm fine or we're fine should be the goal. Um, you still succeed at being fine if you're completely fed, fed up of your children or your partners and you just want to be alone. That's fine. That's still fine. <laughs> um, there's occasionally none abusive yelling and crying. That's all part of being fine. The maintainers. So these folks strive to keep up with the lifestyle they had before um, all of this started. 
And if, say, they used to go to the gym regularly, they put in the same number of workouts just at home. So for some people, maintaining might be um, an achievement in itself. And then there are the life changers. Those people want to use this time to, as an opportunity to get things done that they always wanted to get done and to expand their horizons. Um, they might be the ones who finally marry condo the whole house and start learning Italian. And some e people might try to sell you that this is what you're supposed to be doing. And if not, you're a loser. And if people are selling this to you, just block and move on, honestly. All of these things are valid. It depends where you are in life. You might actually find that on some days you actually have the, uh, <laughs> the energy to learn Italian and to practice the, the guitar or whatever it is. And that's great. Go for it. Enjoy it. But if, you know, a week later you don't feel like that at all, maybe on that day just striving for fine is enough. That is achievement enough. And I think sometimes we have to, we basically have to learn how to, figure out, you know, how standards affects us. So sometimes having high standards and goals is motivating and it makes your life better because you're striving for some time for something. But other times having high standards and goals can just be frustrating and overwhelming and they add to your misery and that's completely unnecessary. And it is up to you to observe what works in your life and what doesn't and to adjust according to those circumstances. Vitality. So there are a lot of jokes circulating how everybody will be fat and how carbs have made a comeback and how somebody, nobody has a gluten um, allergy anymore. Um, also very interesting. But maybe not having to wolf down our food at a desk um, while we're working. And for those so inclined, you know, some, some of us are cooking. And maybe that means that there are less there's less fake stuff, less preservatives in our food. So who knows? We might not be that unhealthy it really depends so the other thing is also uh, psychological stress right so for some people this might be an incredibly stressful time because you know maybe they can't pay their bills or people they love are dying but for other people not being around certain toxic people maybe at the workplace could actually lower your stress levels even if you have more work to do you might be still less stressed during the pandemic it's all possible um, I don't know about you, but I just have to eat when I when I'm at work physically <laughs> in a different part of town. Sometimes I just have to go for lunch because I have meetings afterwards. And then you kind of eat when you're not hungry yet. And then you might not be able to judge what you're supposed to eat. And this is also nice here. You can just eat what you need. And then if you're hungry, you can just get more. And if you're not great, right? So I wouldn't necessarily subscribe to this whole, we'll all be fat and unhealthy. It really depends. Um, worrying about your health is likely to stress you out. So if you can cut down on worrying, you've already done something for your vitality. What you can and cannot do depends largely on the rules where you live. Some people can still go out for walks while others are locked up at home. And while it's nice to have the opportunity to go on a non to go to non-crowded areas, Outside, I would say that it's important that you don't tell yourself the story that those walks or runs are the only thing that keep you sane. And here's why. Even if it feels that way, you'd set yourself up for misery if your government later enforces staying at home completely. And for perspective, during wartimes, people literally lived in bunkers for weeks and months. They even had parties there. So that's not to be replicated now, obviously. But my point is that we are more resilient than we often know ourselves. 
body weight exercises are a simple way to strengthen your body. I've mentioned that in a previous one too. The harder you train, the more you will feel relaxed outside of your training hours. I like an app called Seven, but it's a paid app. Uh, to me, it's worth it because I'm more likely to do something if there's a pretty app uh, giving me badges, but that's not necessary as YouTube is full of videos and you can get free guidance if you prefer that. As I say often, it's a whatever works situation. Maybe you're more of a dancer or power cleaner, and it doesn't really matter much what it is, just that you get into the groove and that you can get your blood flowing at least some sweat. Um, this is also doesn't have to be every day, although some people like to have a daily routine and it's definitely healthy. It's definitely good. Sleeping is also part of the vitality aspect of keeping well, but some of you might have a hard time sleeping. If that's the case, cultivating this idea that your body is resting, even if it's not sleeping, might help you to get at least some relaxation. With many things, if we stress about not sleeping, we achieve the opposite. Some people nap more now, and that's cool too. Personally, I like a little nap after work on my balcony when it gets the evening sun. Give yourself time to figure out the kinds of fitness, sleep, and food routines that work for you. Observe what works and what doesn't, and then act accordingly. Okay, that's it for today. I hope these episodes gave you some helpful ways to think through the current situation. And maybe try a thing or two. I hope you are well. I hope your loved ones are well. And that... Even if it's hard, you can somehow make it work. Cheers. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this episode, you can help us out by sharing it with your network and leaving a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher. We would love to hear from you at kristen at strengthphoenix.com. For show notes and more, head over to www.strengthphoenix.com. Thanks for listening to the Positive Psychology Podcast. We're saying goodbye with Happy Yogurt.